Hey, everybody, this is Patrick Falk with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. Um, we're coming to you live, episode five. Sorry about the rhyme there. Um, interviewing one of my good friends from college, arguably one of the best shooters I've ever played with, but a tremendous coach, and now he's into the corporate space, uh, Eric Johnson. And uh, him and I met in college uh, at UC San Diego. Um, and I got to, to play two years with him and uh, then uh, been able to follow his coaching career in the Division One space and now in corporate America doing some corporate coaching. Eric, how you doing? Doing great, man. It's nice to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, Eric's coming uh, from us from Boston or at least outside of Boston. Um, so, Coach, let's dive right in and uh, let's talk about uh, – how did you get into like how did you get into coaching at, at the college level number one and then number two how did you how do you transfer from coaching basketball into what you're doing now sure um so yeah my my coaching story you know kind of like you pat you know uh, again you mentioned already that you and i knew each other in college and you know we were both two at least we thought we were pretty cerebral right we we love to <laughs> we love to analyze things i'm sure that we were a pain to coach because we always had opinions on this and that, and we always liked to discuss things. So I was kind of, I was always one of those kids that, um, yeah, I, I guess I had coaching books as a kid. I, I always kind of knew I just, I loved, you know, I loved the game and, and I always wanted to be a teacher. And I think originally my path, you know, not I think, I know my, my path was originally I was going to be a high school math teacher and a basketball coach, right? My, one of my favorite relatives, my uncle, you know, same path. And I just thought that would be a great way to go. And I went to grad school. So you and I played division three basketball and I worked my way through school running, uh, you know, the intramural sports, right. Yes. You know, inter two water polo leagues and, and, you know, getting the softball teams, the right, the right, you know, on the right field, the right <laughs> training right. officials and all these things. And I used that as a way to pay for grad school. So I went out to the university of Rhode Island um, as a graduate assistant for recreation. And I always knew I wanted to coach. So the story is I went into the, the men's coach's office, Al Skinner at the time. And I, I put, the, put together the best resume I could at age 23 with whatever camps I'd run, you know, things like that. And I just said, hey, I'll, I'll sweep your floors. I'll be there at six in the morning. You don't have to pay me a dime. I just want to learn. And, you know, again, Al and I know each other pretty well. We, we work together at Boston College and at URI. Al's not the warmest, fuzziest guy you've ever met. So Al kind of said, stood there staring at me for long enough until I got uncomfortable. And, and I walked out and, and I went over to the women's office and basically – gave her the same kind of, you know, pitch. And she said, Hey, look, love to have you in coaching meetings. If you like, happy to have you learn. Would you like to practice every day? You know, because in women's basketball, we use male practice players. And back then you could use grad students. Uh, you can't do that anymore. But again, she had a five, she had a six, two center and no one else on the team over five eleven. So my original entry into college basketball was <laughs> I was the, I was the tackling dummy practice guy, right. You know, on the scout team, you know, banging around with, I went from being a little shooting guard in the men's game to being a big six, four post player in the women's game. <laughs> and anyway, and that really gave me an entry. She let me come to coaching meetings, took me on the road, awesome. you know, helped with scouts and some things like that. And I was able to get hired a year later, um, spent 14 years as an assistant coach in division one at the university of Rhode Island, the university of San Diego, Boston college. And I was lucky enough to Get my first head coaching job at the University of Denver. Came back to Boston College. Um, you know, you know. I, I look, I I love the game. Um, but I will tell you that 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 level is also look. It's a business, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. You know, and it 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 came to a point where 
I just described my geographic journey, right? Across right. the country. You know, when I move, Patrick, I move, right? right. Uh, my kids are in high school now. And right. just to the point where, again, chasing the next job every three to five years as AGs, sure. contracts get bought out, just became, you know, hey, that's not, that's not going to be the life for our family anymore. Right. So I now have the best coaching job in America. I am the volunteer assistant coach at Needham High School, which yes. is where my daughter coaches. Right. I can show up whenever I want. They're thrilled to have me when I do. I coach the AAU team that my daughter plays on. Um, I don't allow the club director to pay me a dime because I don't ever want to have a conversation about player selection right. or sure. administrative sure. stuff or drama right. with parents and all those things. I said, I'll give the kids a quality experience and quality instruction. Right. Um, and again, your last piece of your question was, okay, well, how have I transferred those skills into the business world? And um, look, it's, it's, it's remarkably similar. My coaching buddies, you included, have called me in the past and said, oh my goodness, your life is so different now. And to be honest with you, really not. I still right. go to the gym every night. So basketball, I, you know, people ask, do you miss basketball? I said, look, I, I'm still coaching. Still in it, right? It just doesn't affect my mortgage anymore, which is nice, right? Right. <laughs> and, right. And I will tell you the day-to-day, -day, right? Because at that level of coaching, my day, my, my day job was business development, sales, marketing, PR, recruiting, strategic planning, right? Well, right. these are all the things that happen in the business world as well, Absolutely. right? So, Absolutely. You know, I, I'm in a role now for a financial services firm where, you know, instead of recruiting and training, I hire and develop. I help right. people become the best versions of themselves. Um, you know, I, I get people to work together and, you know, and, and the transferability of those skills from the athletics world to the business world, uh, remarkable, remarkable yeah. how, 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 how well that's gone and how much fun I'm having with it. Awesome. Awesome. And one of the things I want to quickly point out is you're part of the PCA or the positive coaching Alliance. Can you quickly touch on what that is and, and yeah. some of the things that you bring to the table when, when you're at those conferences or in front of coaches or players? Yeah, you bet. So Positive Coaching Alliance is a national nonprofit that was designed, you know, created basically to save the world of youth sports from itself. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it, it's the whole idea that, you know, hey, we're making better athletes and better people. Right. Um, one of the things that we kind of have to debunk every time I run a workshop, and I, I run workshops for uh, coaches, right? You know, whether it's right. little league, soccer club, high school coaches. Um, I've started to work with some college coaches as well um, mm -hmm. on – you know, just again, how do you get the best out of people? And again, this sure. is no different, Pat, in education, in a classroom, right. in the business world, with employees, right? You know, if you're, if you're a sales manager and you're telling your, you know, your sales team, you guys stink and you got to put up better numbers and you're going to get fired, right? right? Like, are you really getting the best out of them? Is that driving the performance right. of the team? Absolutely. Right? And it's the same thing on basketball court, right? I mean, we've all, we've all played for coaches that have different styles and we know that the ones that are most successful right? Are the ones that get the best out of their people. Absolutely. And so again, you know, positive coaching Alliance simply created around the, the, the theme that, Hey, we want to create the, the best possible atmosphere for performance. Right? right. And we know that that happens through inspiring people through making, helping people believe in themselves, feel connected to their team and their, those things. Right. So again, whether it's working with student athletes on character through sport and them, you know, helping drive team culture, and even positive sports parenting workshops, Pat, um, mm -hmm. there's organizations that will have me come in and work with their parents, which is always very interesting, right? Because yeah, how do you tell absolutely. parents how to be better parents 
without making them think that you're telling them how to be better parents. Because nobody <laughs> right. told them right. these, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. And, and but again, it's really, really important conversations because even from the from the positive sports parenting side, Pat, mm-hmm. some of my best friends who I would I would trust with my life, uh, when I have conversations with them, I'm able to point out so was the way you handled that situation probably the best thing for your child's development as a, right. And often right, really good human beings. Uh, right. We lose our minds when it, when it has to do with our kids. Right. In our minds, we're thinking I'm going to do everything I can to help my child. Right. And it, maybe somebody coming from the outside who's not the coach or the teacher saying, Hey, stay out of this to mm-hmm. be able to say, Hey Pat, why don't we take a look at how that might have really affected your child's opportunities for success and development right. and these kinds of things? Absolutely. And when challenged in that way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people will kind of, oh yeah, I could see that. Boy, I got to be a little bit more disciplined about how right. I handle those situations. So uh, yeah, look, it's uh, it's it's really rewarding and I think really important and keeps me connected with the sports world as well. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I think in, in the classroom, as you pointed out, you, number one, you know, I think where I was when I started my coaching to where I'm at now, I'm, I'm older, wiser, can look back and, and be, you know, hypercritical about the way I handle things. And I think that if I ever get the opportunity to get back onto the court, even to be the little, you know, the coach Shawcrofts of the world, the little birdie in some young coach's ear, and be like, hey, you got to handle it this way. You got to handle it that way. Um, and just dealing with my own kids, you know, and then being able to remove the coaching aspect out, have a 30,000 foot view um, in conjunction with the boots on the ground and, and be able to, you know, have conversations with my kids uh, or my students about, hey, you know, how do we feel about this? Or how do we feel about that? You know, what are things that you can be different in and, and almost giving them almost a softer arena to discuss maybe some things that may not have gone well, but have them take ownership of it versus me pointing out, you know, you got to get your hips through the ball. You're, you're dropping your hands. You're, you're slow to transfer, um, you know, those kind of things. And I think that, that especially in the classroom with kids that may not have good skills, and we're going to be talking about skills a little bit later. um, You know, how do you, give them an arena, uh, an environment to where uh, you partner with them to, to develop those skills. And I think, you know, what you touched on as far as what you're doing with PCA is, is huge and, and with the Bullfinch group and stuff like that. So that's, that's awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll mention what, what you just said about you um, maybe getting to be a mentor for a young, for a younger coach. Um, I'm really enjoying, I mean, so remember I was, I was a head coach at an ACC program, right. Where I mean, right. You, know, you talk about again, not that the pressure was a big deal, but right, but everything was my responsibility, right? Sure. I mean, everything from the boosters to the fans to the the arena to right, you know, and, you know, I had I had great teams of people that handled all these things for me. So now in the high school situation where I'm I'm the volunteer assistant and right. I've got a younger head coach, mm-hmm. and she really appreciates, I think, <laughs> having <laughs> my well, because I've lived it, right? All the other right, assistants absolutely. have never been a head coach. And right. the fact that I know, and I, I joke with her all the time. I always say, hey, Amanda, I go, just so you know, everyone likes me now because none of it's my fault. I go, right. everything's your fault. 
I go, trust yeah. me, right? I go, anybody who's mad about anything going on in the program, they're mad at you. They're not mad at me, right? Yeah. And you know, and she and, and I can rib her about this because I, I joke all the time that for 14 yeah. years as an assistant, I was one of the most popular people in Division One, right? Every, every parent, uh, Coach Johnson recruited my kid. He's he's right. <laughs> and then I moved over that 18 inches to be a head coach, and I suddenly became an idiot and a jerk for I, for, for, for yeah. 10 years. You, you, you don't know what basketball is round exactly. Right, right, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I've uh, I've been having a good time uh, being back in the spot where uh, where I'm everybody's best friend. I'm the advocate. I'm you know, and uh, and again, my my uh, our head coach at the high school again. Uh, she does an amazing job, and it's but it is nice right. to be able to kind of be be there for her because I, sure. I do know how she feels. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate to have good assistant coaches uh, on on my staff. All played uh, big time Division One basketball. You know, one guy played with uh, Hank Gathers at LMU. Uh, one guy played at uh, Wake Forest. You know, his first game was in the Dean Dome against Sam Perkins and Michael Jordan. And then my main assistant, you know, he had coached for 15 years in in Memphis um, at the collegiate level. And it, again, it's like what what the people you put around you is so important. And you, you mentioned your you know being the assistant coach and being everybody's buddy. So what did you learn as assistant coach to get you ready to be a head coach? And do you think that transition was easy, hard? I mean, it's always a learning curve. Don't get me wrong. There's always something you have to deal with. But what are those um, things that you took away from being assistant coach that, per, that you know, got you ready for, to be a head coach? Yeah. So, look, I had an interesting uh, progression. Um, I was in a situation for a bunch of years at the University of San Diego for a wonderful co, a wonderful person who allowed me to do a ton, um, and I will tell you at that point, I pretty much thought I was God's gift to basketball and coaching and everything. Right. Um, you know, you you and I were young men together when we in our twenties, and you know, yeah, we we pretty much thought we ruled the world and all those things, and and uh, you know, it, it, I had to go when I went from the University of San Diego to Boston College. And I worked for a, a an extremely strong leader. Mm-hmm. I really learned in those last three years as an assistant what it truly meant to be a great assistant coach was to help her be a great coach. Right. right? Absolutely. They, I I made at the University of San Diego. I made it way too much about me. Gotcha. Uh, the situation dictated that in some situations, but look, I could have and should have done a much better job of removing myself from the limelight rather than being eager for the limelight. I was a young, eager, you know, passionate coach who thought I could, you know, contribute in all these ways. Mm. But in some ways, uh, I'm quite certain that I, that got in the way of my head coach's ability to be the best that she could be. And I learned that at Boston college, that being a great assistant, it's like being a great teammate. I mean, Pat, you, you know, you're somebody that, that, you know, had an impact on me. In the, and you and I have played countless pickup games, noon ball, awesome. midnight hoops, intramurals, all the kinds of things, outdoor, indoor, you know, and, and at no point playing with you was it ever about you, right? right? If you missed shots, if you turned the ball over, if you got beat, if whatever had happened, it was never about you. It was only about what you could do for your teammates. Right. And that's something that, again, I preach to players all the time. And the same thing is true with the staff, right, is that, is that right. you know, Again, I, I look back and I think I wish I had been a better assistant coach earlier in my career in, in really being a better teammate, 
and mm-hmm. not being as much about my own career and my own advancement and what I can do. And I can right. do this. I can help with this. Right. And it came from a good place. Right. right. Came, even with players, like I said, even players that, that you and I might say, gosh, they're acting a little selfish in their minds. Right. right? They want to be great. They want to help. Right. They, they just, they haven't quite gotten the perspective. Right. And that's what, that's right. definitely what I see in my career is that gaining that perspective of, Hey, setting her up to look like the genius setting her up is going to make everybody better. And I will tell you the reason I got my first head coaching job was because I learned that lesson, right? Was able to be a better teammate, helped our team be successful and then got branded by, Hey, Eric was part of something really, really successful. He's part of a run of sweet 16s and they were a top 23 team. Right. And now, right. By, but, and it's the same thing with players, right? When you give yourself up for the team, by the way, you make the all-conference team, right? right. Like it's, it's, this, it's, right. it's this, right. this cognitive dissonance for so many players sure. that by shooting less, by not worrying so much about your own stats, right. you actually score more and your right. stats get better, right? And, and, and so, again, when you can teach people that, and, again, it's true in the business world, it's true in the education world, it's true in the classroom, it's true in any sport. Right. And, and that's, yeah, I, I think the one thing that I've learned, especially the last couple of years is that, you know, I'll even tell my students that I'll be like, look, we're teammates. I, I'm just the captain. You know, I'm going to be the one that that's going to roll things out. Hey, we're going to focus on this, but it's always a partnership. Okay. Um, I, I'm only as good as, as you, and you're only as good as, as me. And it's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about we, and, um, you know, I've been, you know, knock on wood and, and, you know, I've been very blessed to be able to have classrooms where the students felt that there was a, a partnership there that they can, um, ask for help. And at the same time, you know, how I'm going to constantly look at what I'm doing to make them better. And, um, you know, I, it, it's funny, my wife and I were talking about this the other day is that she won't hire anybody that's never played a team sport because, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to be a good teammate always. I mean, you just do because it doesn't matter how good you are or bad you are. There is something you can contribute. And I think that in, you know, a student needs to understand that they they may not be the most gifted writer, but there's still something going on there that they can contribute. And I think when we work together as teammates, not I'm the teacher, you're the student, that level of hierarchy where we kind of get down to where we're, we're both in the foxhole together, but we can, we can do something that's really cool. And then the rewards are endless. The student feels accomplished and they have confidence goes up and they feel, you know, they're growing. And then at the same thing, time as a teacher, I'm growing because I use some tools or strategies that I've used that applies to what the student is dealing with and they've grown. And, and I think each year, you know, as a teacher, as an assistant coach to work my way up to a head coach, if I ever want to go into administration, I actually, this year they asked if I wanted to go into administration. I kind of gave the quick, you know, I need a 20 on this one. I'm, I'm new to this arena. I kind of like what I'm doing, but I think whenever that, if that transition ever happens, I think all these years of, you know, working directly with my students is preparing me to now work directly with teachers and, and, and stuff like that. So those are, those are great points. Um, what's, in, what's the importance of creating a good culture, whether it's in the business space or in a team environment, in your household, 
you know, what, uh, what's it, what, what do you, what do you think is important in creating a good culture? So it's one of these concepts that the older we get, Pat, the more we realize, um, you know, I thought basketball was about basketball. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and look, I love the game and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of the game and you and I could, we could geek out for hours on, in fact, yes. I follow you on Twitter. I know you do geek out still for hours on <laughs> and fundamentals and strategies and right. you, know, you, and I, you and I have had multiple conversations where, you know, you, you come home from a clinic and you call me and you're like, Eric, I got to, you know, come on, I got to have 45 minutes of your time. I got to go over this new thing. <laughs> Right. See what you think? What are the teaching points on this back screen, and why this? Right. And why about this person? Right. And that stuff is it, again, it, it is all wonderful, right? It is, it, and it's great. But I realize what a smaller part of the whole picture that is. I used to think, again, and I don't know what the percentage is, but I used to think that was coaching, right? right? And I've learned a lot more. And again, we can tell this about education. Your students aren't going to learn history. If they don't really, if they don't, if they don't think you care about them, if they don't connect with you, if they don't feel like there's a, a sense of collaboration, as you mentioned, if there's, right. um, you know, and, and again, the, the whole thing, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Right? And I, think that's what we, I, I went to a conference um, about a year and a half ago and there was a speaker that really had an effect on me and she kind of took me back to my, my psychology days and her, her statement was, you have to Maslow before you bloom. <laughs> yes. For people, for people who, who, haven't, who haven't taken psychology courses, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really about basic human, like, are you fed and do you feel safe, right? right. You know, those, those kind, right, that hierarchy of needs. Right. And Bloom's hierarchy is much more about skill-based, knowledge-based, you know, like right. there's... Sure. And her point was that in the classroom, if you've got a student who's hungry and doesn't, doesn't have any connection, thinks that maybe, you know, what, because of race or religion or sexual orientation or something like that, that, that you don't care about them or think they're right. a good person. Yep. Bloom's hierarchy of skill-based and knowledge-based, right? It, it doesn't exist. It's not going to happen. Right. Sure. Right? So her point was you have to take care of people. You have to connect to Absolutely. their basic human needs of feeling right? Safe, taking care of, connected, those kinds of things before you can ever be able to actually accomplish anything on the knowledge and skill-based scale, right? Right. And look, great, great analogy for education, great analogy for, for sports, great analogy for business, right? Is, is your, your ability to connect. And I would say some of my greatest failings as a coach were with some players that I simply failed to connect with. And, right. you know, I, look, I'm, I'm extremely self-analytical. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of them, even the greatest coach in the world, might not have been able to reach them in that, it, where they were in their life at that time sure. in that situation. But be that as it may, I wasn't able to get them to be the best versions of themselves. Right. And so, you know, I often look back and say, hey, could I or should I have spent more time or figured out new ways or approached them differently to make sure that we had that human connection, that they knew how much I cared about them deeply and their development and those kinds of things in order to be able to build those other, you know, those other skill-based, knowledge-based uh, things. And again, I think that's becoming more and more evident in, in society now. 
Sure. Coaching, you know, the, the, the kind of old school coaching mentality of, right. you know, well, my parents, you know, they never, hey, this is what you do. You listen to coach, you listen to teacher, that's it, right? right? That's, you know, that's, that's not really the world we're living in. And again, one of the things we talk about in Positive Coaching Alliance all the time is you can actually get better performance out of your people when you do. It's it, Positivity right. doesn't mean singing kumbaya every day and saying everything's great. <laughs> Hanging the tambourine, yeah. Right, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's about can you help someone right. become their best version? Right. And what is it? And there's a lot, there's a lot there. So again, you know, in terms of progression and culture, right. Is that when you can create a team that believes in each other and knows that they, you know, they're going to have each other's backs. By the way, the timing of their screens and their defensive rotations are going to be a lot better. Right. right? Absolutely. By the fact that I'm not going to let my teammate (laughs) down and I know she's got my back. Right? Right. And so instead of spending all your time on, on you know the thinking timing of screens and, and defensive rotations is right. going to work. Maybe there's some more time that we in, in effort to be able to spend on the connection, the trust, the Absolutely. belief, those kinds of things, which will then lead to the performance. Right. No, that that that's gold right there. I mean, I think you know when you go through the credential program. You know, they give you all this theory, and, and theory's great on paper, but how do you put theory into practice and I had a teacher once tell me um, that it, it doesn't to your point it doesn't matter what you know you know students need to trust you if the students trust you they're going to show up every day if students trust you they'll they'll work for you and I think you know that's more than anything I think I've worked the hardest not only to master my craft know the material to be able to tie you know, my ADD antidotes into my lectures or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, to be able to sit across, you know, now virtually, but sit across, you know, from my students, look them in the eye and be like, look, we're in this together. Um, I want you to know that you can trust me and then find ways to prove that to them. And I think when that trust is there, you're absolutely right. Your offense runs smoother. When a mistake's made, it's over faster than it happened. And I think, it's it is important for coaches and teachers to invest probably more time than the curriculum itself into building that environment um because when that environment's there and when kids feel safe um you know regardless of what they're dealing with outside of the classroom they know they can come there and be who they are and be accepted for who they are and then they're going to reveal themselves in a way where you can really help them and help them grow and whatever the finished product is it might be the best version of themselves and as teachers as coaches as you know mentors we need to put our own wants and needs aside because it really is about you know the the clients you serve in my case it's students it's my case it's my administrators you know i want to make the best i want to do what i can to help them achieve what they want to achieve and Pat, I think I think there's another important point along these same lines from a parenting standpoint is, right. um, you know, uh, so I, I got to, one of the coolest things I got to do when I when I left BC was I spent I spent several months with the Celtics, um, right. watching practices and film sessions every day. Um, the season that I was there was the end of the season, um, Tatum's rookie year. Okay. Uh, Kyrie was out for most of the year. Gordon Hayward right. had broken his leg at the beginning. You remember that season, right? They made yeah, a great absolutely. playoffs. They had yeah. all these. Marcus Smart had a busted thumb for a long time. 
And they just, and one of the, one of the comments that the staff made all the time was, man, these guys are just so easy to coach, right? right. We're not dealing with drama. We're not having to spend time. So by the way, we're now spending time on timing of screens and defensive right. rotation. Right? Is exactly. that you're able to coach those things because they right. had some leaders. They had, uh, they had Al Horford in the locker room. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Brad Stevens is running a film session one day, and he's, he's talking about not fouling. And right. he puts up a clip of Marcus Smart in perfect position, chesting a guy up in the middle of the paint. Mm-hmm. And then at the last second, Marcus reaches and fouls him. Right. And Brad's kind of calling him out for it. And Al, Al Horford raises his hand. He says, hey, coach, can you run that playback? And he says, look at me. I'm buddy running with my guy down the sideline. I should have sprinted to the nail and been there. That play never should have happened. Marcus should never right. be in that position. That's on me, right? That's, that's awesome. Tell me how much better that team just got because oh, of yeah. you know, leadership. So from a parenting standpoint, one of my favorite signs that I see, I, I retweet it every time somebody puts it up. And I'm going to get the wording a little bit wrong, but it's basically hey, parents. Um, your child's success or lack of success on the playing field is in right. no way a, a, a reflection on your parenting. Absolutely. Your child being a great teammate, coachable, resilient, work ethic, you know, you know respectful is right. a direct, direct reflection. reflection of your parenting. Right? Absolutely. And it's the reminder in PA, we call, we call uh, coaches, double goal coaches, right? That they need to be, they need to be uh, focused on, uh, you know, winning and life lessons. Right? right. Well, in parenting, we call them second goal, co- second goal parents. We'll leave the winning to the coach. Be about the life lessons, right? So don't be uninvolved in your child's sports experience. Right. Be very involved in their character development. The Absolutely. Life they're learning, right? Because again, from a parenting standpoint, what we can push our kids to do is they they will be much more successful when we are emphasizing your attitude, your work ethic, the way, what kind of teammate you are rather than right. the stats and the playing time and the things that they really can't control and that sure. actually impair them. If they're, right. if they're hearing at the dinner table, well, coach should be playing so-and-so and coach should have been running that. You're right. actually hurting your child, right? And you're losing an opportunity to talk to your kid about how do you deal with adversity? How Absolutely. do you be a great teammate? How can you be selfless, right? And I will tell you in the business world, those are the most successful human beings. There is sure. a, uh, there's a great, uh, and again, you guys can, you guys can look this up. Uh, if you Google the game knows there's an essay written by a former, um, Alabama softball player. Okay. Who, so he talks about, she's a catcher by the way, just like your daughter. And as we all know, there's only one catcher on the field at a time. And the story, yes. the story is that she went to Alabama knowing that there was a kid two years older that was the starter. And she said, look, the game knows I'm going to work hard. It's going to pay me back because I'm going to right. do a great day. I'm going to bide my time. I'm going to grind. And when that, my time comes, man, it's going to be my time to shine. So she does that for two years. Between her sophomore and her junior year, that kid graduates and coach recruits a transfer. And when, ah. they, come in, when they come into tryouts, she realizes, holy moly, this kid's a catcher and she's really, really good. I might not ever play. This kid right. hits better than I do. She's a great kid. She worked, you know. Right. And she becomes disillusioned. So she's telling the story about how, like, the game doesn't know. I, w- I put in all this time, and I'm not getting paid back. And she, you know, she's very disillusioned. But she decides to stick it out. She's a good teammate. She, you know, right. she could have she could have punked out. She decides, right. you know, look, 
hey, this kid earned it. I, you know, I, I'm still disillusioned, but I'm gonna I'm gonna catch in the bullpen. I'm gonna do what I do what it takes. I think they win a championship. I'm not sure. But fast forward five years, she goes to law school. Mm -hmm. Graduates from law school and wants to get a, a job at a big time law firm in DC, but realizes mm -hmm. that when she went to law school and the grades she got probably aren't gonna allow her to get this opportunity. Right. But some Knows, knows somebody who gets her a, cop, a cup of coffee with somebody at the firm. And right. this person is so enamored with her story of selflessness, of sure. being a great teammate, of pushing through adversity, right? right. He gets her an interview and she ends up getting a job. And her point is, I never would have gotten that job had my story been, I was all SEC, I hit 300, right? right? Sure. The game knows, right? The game, the game knows, knows. absolutely. Game That's great. And I often, I often talk to players about that, right? Is that, look, I know you think the world ends when you lose a game or when coach doesn't play you as much or you didn't get to score, or they didn't run a play for you or you didn't get to play the position you wanted. Right. right. So much more that you're developing from, you know, and again, the more that we as parents and as athletes can stay connected to how much we're gaining from this experience, sure. right the better we're going to be in life. And as, as someone who hires and develops talent in the, in the business world, right? right? I mean, absolutely. I want that kid on my team, right? Absolutely. And his point was, I've got all these superstar hotshot lawyers in, my, in our firm. <laughs> right. What we need is you. We need somebody right. who acts and thinks like you because that can change the culture of our, of our, of our law right. firm. Right? Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, you know obviously you're very familiar with my story, but, you know, I think one of, you know, the two best things that ever happened to me is, is the first one, although it hurt really bad, was getting cut from UC San Diego when, when Coach Marshall left and they brought that, that guy in. And, you know, you get a number of guys that were, that, that at least were viewed as, you know, program guys, good players, great teammates. And then having great roommates, Lincoln, Bob, and Yuhong to kind of, and, and yourself, uh, to kind of put me in a headlock and be like, hey, don't hey you got it next next play next time next thing and then really getting let go in the corporate world which made me transition into education and those I easily could have had a pity party and to have good people around me and and listen to what they're saying and and trusting what they were saying and and allowed me to really get on a, a great path and I think that's definitely a role as an educator that we have to do that uh, we're, I'm going to try to squeeze in two more things in the next five minutes because I know you got to go. But quickly, what was the University of Rhode Island circle talk? I remember I, I went out and visit you uh, the year after I graduated, and uh, I walked by the classroom, and there was all these desks in a circle. And, and just quickly kind of describe what the purpose of what it is and what the purpose was because I think it really ties into great in education. Yeah, so so what you're describing, and I remember Pat when you came out and visited. Um, you know, uh, this ties into our previous conversation about it's not always just about basketball, right? Right. Our coach, our head coach at the time, recognized that there were some issues, right? There was some personality conflicts. There were some things that were going on that you know, okay, great, we could go run a bunch of sprints together. We could try to do right. drills. We could try to go over plays, but that probably wasn't really going to get you know, it wasn't going to help us get through what we needed to get through. Right. And so she basically, I, I, the way I remember it was basically either canceled part of practice or just said, we're not even going to go practice till we kind of work some of this stuff out. Right. And she, you know, again, this is the EQ part of coaching, right? Is the IQ, right? Is, is, Hey, 
run this play, you know, play right. this combination of players, you know, run this system, sure. whatever the issue is. Hey, look, I think basically for her, her in her from her standpoint, this group needs to kind of clear the air on some things. Right. Right. Be heard. Let's just deal with some of the stuff. And now when we go back on the court, there's like this catharsis of, okay, sure. instead of holding these things in and I'm still trying to play, but I know she doesn't like me or I don't know, I'm worried about this or that, right? Right. And that was really the intent of it. And again, you know, look, it, could you do that every day? Uh, probably not. You probably wouldn't get a lot done. And at some point, <laughs> hey, you probably need to put some, put some different things aside and just be about it, right? But right. again, the best coaches are very good at figuring out what does my team need today right. my team need in general you know like that kind of check in a little bit um i know as a coach i would often do individual meetings periodically right. because you know even though i see the kid every day and i would tell my staff oh no i talk to her every day well, yeah five minutes before practice how you doing how was class is right. it really going to allow her an opportunity to just open up right and whereas right. individual meetings especially if we go have a cup of coffee up on campus right we'll in a different way so that's that's kind of what that was about yeah i mean it's so important more so than ever now to have, students need to feel players need to feel like they have a voice that they can essentially if they're do they have the ability to be honest and that honesty reveals you know what they're dealing with and more importantly that honestly allows you to figure out a way to help them deal with it. And I think that's really, really important. That second piece is really, really important is that you're right. They're going to be better when they know they have a voice. And guess what? You're going to be better when you understand more about where they're coming from. I can't tell you how many times when I actually really connected with a kid, I went, oh, really? That's how you think that is? I'm like, wow. Right? Like I had no idea that's what, what was going through her head. Right? Sure. So how could I properly coach her if she's seeing it one way or I'm explaining it one way and she's seeing it a different way. Right. And when Absolutely. we actually took the time to, to, to talk it out, it, it, it opened my eyes like, wow, I'm sure I'm either teaching this wrong. I'm saying it wrong. I didn't emphasize yeah. it in the right ways um, or there's something getting in the way that I had no idea existed. Right. That I never would have been able to get, a, you know, to be able to deal with. But once I knew about it, Oh, Okay, well, we can figure that out, right? Sure. Let me let me help with that, right? So I mean, it makes right. us better coaches too, and teachers. Yeah, awesome. All right, so one final thing, and and again, this in itself could be its own podcast. Is um, Tim Kite, who uh, has a podcast called the F Three Focus Three Podcast, and he talks with his brother Brian and Coach Urban Meyer, and and they talk a number uh, of topics. And I was listening to one the other day, and they were talking about opportunity. And uh, one of the quotes that, that, that Tim Kite said is, talent you have, skill is learned. Okay, talent you have, skill is learned. Um, how many times, I mean, I'm sure it's countless, but as a coach, as a business professional, um, that you've seen kids come in uh, or professionals come in that have a bunch of talent, but they, they simply lack uh, you know, basic skills, whether it's personal skills, whether it's, uh, you know, writing skills, whether it's speaking skills, um, just in your own personal experience, how have you been able to kind of navigate those two components? You know, kids have talent, but they, they lack skill. Yeah. So, uh, it's interesting. I got in conversation with Brad Stevens one day. I, I, uh, I quoted him to him, by the way, I said, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes of yours 
was um, be great at the things that take no talent. Right. And I read that on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's great, right? You know, the things about, you know, showing up early and working hard sure. and having a great attitude. And it's funny. He said, he said, Eric, actually, I, I'm not sure I ever really said that because to be honest with you, a lot of those things, those are a talent. There are certain people that their, their attention to detail, their intensity level, their, like, that is a talent. The fact that they work hard every day, that they have a motor, um, you know, and, and it's interesting, right? And so again, can those things be developed? Can those things be emphasized, right? You know, and, mm -hmm. and especially with young people, can you help them understand what are the most important things in the world uh, that, that are going to help them the most and really try to be great at those things? So that, it wasn't an argument. It was sort of... Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other point that, that your quote makes me think of is we talk a lot of times as about the difference between a skill and a choice, right? right. Like when you and I, you know, we, you know, the choice is to show up on time show up that's, early right yeah. that's a choice like you simply made a choice to sit in the locker room for five more minutes instead of coming up being ready to go right, right. connecting with a teammate right you know this and, and so with choices as a coach i i would be a little bit more heavy-handed right? right like like it's really non-negotiable how we talk to janitors or whether we clean up the gym like that's not right. a skill Right, like you right. can pick up the right. cup. Trust me, right. you can throw it away. You saw it, right. and you right. chose to walk by it. Right, like so. So in, in those things, but if a kid misses a layup, right, like mm -hmm. you know, she's either not very good, or we haven't practiced it enough, or she just needs to work on her skill a little bit more, or right. you know, whatever it is. Like that's a skill. She didn't choose to miss the layup. Now, right. She had a crappy attitude and was like, oh, I don't care. So, I mean, that's different. That, that, that's right. almost never the case. That's almost right. never the case, right? So we would often talk about skill-based training, right, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things where we're, you know, hey, getting repetition, trying to do it at full speed, paying right. attention to detail, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and then things where it's, it's much more of, of you know, how, how bad do you want it kind of thing, right? Yeah, right? And, and, absolutely. And I think, again, I think that's, that's true in, in a lot of worlds as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I know you need to get going. Um, and again, man, I can't, I, I deeply appreciate you coming on and, and literally you and I could talk about this all day long and talk about some horns flex action or <laughs> some baseline out of bounds play that, that I've probably stolen from you and, and set me straight on pack line defense. Um, so uh, for those who want to follow uh, Eric on Twitter, he is at coach underscore E Johnson. Um, again, I, I highly suggest uh, you sign up for his emails and follow him on Twitter. He's got a lot of great stuff uh, that's applicable, applicable, there's an interesting word, in so many arenas. Uh, EJ, man, uh, I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this with me, and I just wish you continued success, and let's chat soon. Hey, this is a lot of fun. I, I, I think it's great what you're doing. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got a great voice and a great platform, and it's an honor to be able to contribute to it. So, Pat, keep going out and making the world a better place. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, and uh, I love you too, brother. Amen. Right, take, take care.